Once more unto the breach, dear friends. Else fill up the wall with our English dead. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Um, maybe you're not ladies and gentlemen. So you could maybe just say good day, good day, good day, good day. Uh, this is the personal wealth coach. We are bald. We are punny. We're going to talk momentarily about what happened in the market uh, for the week ending on the 26th of January, 2024. We also have a, uh, a caller that called in and left us with a question, and we'll get to that question after the market. The question was, why, uh, well, the market's up at nosebleed territory. When should we expect to fall? Uh, I've had other questions that are the other way around saying, when is the market going to recover? Uh, so after the bumper music, we'll get in with what happened in the market. Can you tell us what happened in the market this week? I can try. Do your um, best. This is the last full week of January 2024, and it's significant because historically, as goes January, so goes the year in the stock market. doesn't always work, but it sounds good. What you, mean, what you mean by that is that January is now mostly in the past, so the rest of the year will be passing us by as well. Well, actually, if the market is up in January, it's normally up for the whole year. It's rare that it goes the other way. Oh, interesting. Um, so... The S&P 500 stock index, otherwise affectionately known as the SPX, which is the prime and flawed indicator of the level of the U.S. stock market. It has some flaws, and we'll talk about that. But on quite a show, it closed the week at a lofty 4890.97. And those who have been following us for any length of time, remember it went through 4700, then went through 4777, and I kind of put markers on there. I remember 1,000. I remember, I remember 800. You remember 800. I remember 1,000 really well. Uh, on the Dow. Anyway, yeah, well, 800. I'm, I'm talking about the, S- the SPX. Yeah. It wasn't that long right. ago. doesn't feel that way anyway. So it's up 1.06% for this week. Year to date, it's up 2.54%. Uh, it's now up 20% higher than it was a year ago and 30% higher than it was three years ago. On Thursday of this week, it hit a fifth consecutive closing high before slipping back 0.07% in the week and take a weekend off. So the S&P 500 is doing very, very well. Now, the other index we follow is the CRSP U.S. Mid-Cap Value Index, which for better or worse tends to give us some idea of what's happening in the market if we exclude the Magnificent Seven, which is a super large cap group of tech companies that drive most of the SPX level. Uh, I think they're they comprise something in excess of one-third of the value of the 500 stocks in the S&P 500. But uh, the, the CRSP U.S. Mid-Cap Value Index rose to 2483.16, up 1.03 for the week. It's still about 6% lower than the record high set in early 2022. That is true of just about all of the various indices that don't include the Magnificent Seven. They're still below where they were in 2022. It is, though, about up. 20% in the last three years and has risen about 40% over the last five years. So it's doing well. It's And it is an indication of where the rest of the market is. And that it's probably has a lot to do with a question we're going to be answering in a few minutes. Right. On the other side of the securities markets, the 10-year U.S. Treasury note ended the week yielding 4.15% right where it was last week. Hasn't gone anywhere. Uh, short-term Treasury is maturing in less than one year, again, with the highest yielding with the one-month T-bill 
paying an annualized rate of 5.54%. The 30-year Treasury bond, in other words, if you loan money to the United States government for one month, they'll pay you 5.5% annualized. Now, you only get a month's worth of that, but that's the rate. The 30-year Treasury bond is only paying 4.38%, which tells you something there. Uh, this is a still a severely inverted yield curve, uh, which used to have a lot of meaning and doesn't anymore. Uh, West Texas Intermediate Crude Oil, WTI, slipped upward. Did you get that? The pun about it slipped. The oil slipped. It's slip, slippery is what you're saying. Yeah, it's slipped a little upward. slick. Yeah. yeah. $78.23 per barrel. That's a rise of about 6.6%, but it's well within the recent trading range. Now, now that um, that pun was extra good because you explained it. That's that's always makes jokes better. Thank, yes, thank you yes. very much. And um, and just for the record, the high was in two thousand eight on oil. It was a hundred and what was it? A hundred and forgot what it was now. One hundred thirty eight dollars a barrel or something. One hundred forty five dollars a barrel. And then a couple of years ago, it was a negative thirty seven dollars a barrel. So we're kind of in between. Awesome. So that's what happened in the market. Um, yeah. We're going to give quick disclosures now because we didn't give them early. This is the personal wealth coach. Wait, we already said that. We're punny. I said that and then we did bad puns, so you even know it for sure. Uh, the SEC doesn't say that the personal wealth coach is great or bad or anything else, but that's who the personal wealth coach is registered with. Uh, this, even though we give investment advice, generally speaking, when we're talking one-on-one -on -one with people or with groups, uh, we can't do it in a place like a podcast. It's not private. So this is an educational podcast. Um, if you'd like to contact us off the air, you can do that by email, Jeff or Jake at tpwc.com. That's Tango Papa Whiskey Charlie or the personal wealth coach. Uh, you can contact us through our contact form on our webpage. You can uh, listen to our radio program for the last, well, we've got lots of years of it on there. We did that for 27 years and recently stopped. You can hear podcasts anywhere that you found this podcast. Uh, so if that's not layers deep, I don't know what is the meta of saying, find the podcast right now where you're listening to it. Right. It's, it's an attainable goal. All right. Yes. We, we had a question that came in over the week. Uh, actually it was the end of the week on Friday that said, uh, the stock market is way, way up. When should we expect a crash? I know things go down. I th know things go up and I know you guys don't know the future, but tell me anyway. So thank you, Marty, for giving us an unattainable goal, but we will try. Um, what are your thoughts on where the, you mentioned in the market summary that you were looking at something to that effect? What did you have in mind there? Well, the thing about the, the stock market as it stands right now, it's a lot like it was in the 1990s. Yeah. It's, it is not outside of the range where it was in about 1994, 1995, when Alan Greenspan famously quoted somebody else, I don't remember who, and said how there is no way of telling when the market is suffering from irrational exuberance or whether something fundamentally has changed. And you just, there's just no way of knowing that. We don't see a lot of evidence that there is a market crash imminent. And the evidence would be runaway optimism, uh, no negativity, although the negativity is starting to die down. I think people are starting, the, the, the bears are starting to fold. Uh, when you see a lot of positive news and no negative news and nobody is at all concerned that the market will ever fall and you'll hear something like, this could go on forever, it's different this time, we've reached a permanent plateau of prosperity or something to that effect, then that's, be concerned about it. a famous quote from 1920, no. 29, by the way, right yeah. before the crash. And, you know, 
we are in a position where we have seven stocks that are driving this, the S&P 500 that are priced for perfection. And sooner or later, they're going to stumble. And sooner or later, they're going to fall. So when is it going to be? You know, if I could answer that question, you couldn't afford to listen to it. <laughs> it's true. Um, and we, we're talking about, we talked about this in a in a, the other episode that's releasing on the same week, that the dot-com bubble looks a lot like what's happening today and that just a few companies are causing the entire market to go way, way up. And people go, well, what, what do you do about that when that's going on? The simple answer is really nice. It's the thing that we do regularly. There's parts of the market that are not overpriced. We can clearly point at at the growth companies. Apple's a great company, by the way, just thinking of it as one of the best managed companies on the planet. It's doing really well. Why is why did Apple take off so hard? They they really don't have any major new technology. Now you can talk about their new virtual reality, augmented reality stuff, but that represents less than one percent of their of their overall profit or revenue. It's just a tiny, tiny fraction. They've been doing well. And if you look at what's happened over the past decade or so, a lot of that came from taking the profits and buying back their own stock. When they buy back their own stock, the earnings per share goes up. And the earning per share goes up because there's fewer shares, the same amount of earning. That causes higher returns. So that went really well all the way up through 2019. You look through 2019 and there. Price to earnings ratio was really low, and then it just shot up after that. They're still a great managed company, but if you look at their price to earnings ratio, they're significantly higher than they used to be. What does that mean? It means that they're valued at way above their historic normals, and they're not worse managed now than they used to be, but they're not better either. And there's a limit to how much they're going to buy back. Right now, and this is an interesting statistic. They've been buying back about $300 million of their own stock every day for the entirety of 2023. So that obviously was an had an impact on the price. But we're hearing reports from Tesla and Apple not to expect the kind of revenue growth that we saw. But at the same time, we've got a whole bunch of smaller companies that got beat up they got knocked down, and this is an example. There were around a thousand new publicly traded companies that came into the market in 2021. They came in mostly in the large cap range, which is weird and kind of backwards for new companies coming in. That was SPAC stuff. There was a bunch of stuff. They came in bigger than they usually do. Most of those have fallen into the small cap range at this point. So 2022, the beginning of 2023, knocked out a lot of the deadwood. There are still a lot of small and mid-sized companies that are in the value area, which means that they're valued by the market on what they own and their soon-to-come profitability instead of their long-term profitability. And those companies are still, a lot of them, very undervalued when we look at the whole. And we can do a parallel back to the year 2000 and 2001, even 1999, and see a very similar thing where growth just took off and left value behind. That's not the normal place. It, it does this about every 20 or 25 years. Growth just shoots off and leaves everybody behind. And the value folks are very boring and people sell out of them. So that's where I see it. Uh, we may see a downturn in 2024 or we might not. It, we could go a long ways on this 
over-oxygenated mess that is the market. We could go five years in euphoria before we see uh, those magnificent seven stocks start falling down. But I'm starting to see the writing on the wall. Uh, I'm seeing in my advertisements from mutual funds, which unfortunately we get inundated with, there's ETFs coming out that are just focused on those seven stocks now. The magnificent seven stuff. It's the sort of thing that happens at the tail end of a bull, but the tail end could be as long as the rest of the bull. So you were, you were going to say something. I'll let you jump Well, one in. of the things that I look at is the forward price earnings ratio of the S&P 500, which right. is basically how many, you look at the price when compared to the earnings, how many times earnings is the price? And currently the forward price earnings ratio is 22.34. That's not is bad. Is that high? It's not bad. It's, it is basically well within the norms. Um, and it's been a lot higher. For example, uh, in 2023, the third quarter, it was 25 point, almost 26, the forward price to earnings ratio. So the price to earnings ratio has been coming down. It's important to note. While the market's the been S&P, going up. Right. The S&P 500 is about where it was in the first quarter of 2022. It's certainly higher than it was in the interim, but it isn't really Compared with where it was two years ago, it really hasn't gone very far. And, uh, so it's probably, it isn't, it isn't in nosebleed range yet. Now, around the end of this year, if it keeps on keeping on, uh, I wouldn't be terribly surprised to see, uh, it, it start to get into nosebleed territory. That's one of the things I'm sure the Fed is concerned about. There's a, there's a hypothesis out there. There's an opinion out there that as interest, short-term interest rates come down, a lot of money that's sitting in money market funds earning 5.3% or whatever right now is might go into stocks. And if it does, it will probably force the S&P 500 higher. The thing to watch is the earnings. If the earnings keep rising, then the stock market can keep rising. Right. Agreed. When the stock market gets ahead of the earnings and charges off into space, it's like Wiley Coyote when he runs off the edge of the Mesa. Uh, sooner or later, somebody's going to look down and they're going to fall. Yipe. Again, you have to say the sign with the yipe before it happens. Yipe. Yeah. And Again, the sign is when you run out of negativity, when you see bulls on the, I guess used to be in the in, in magazines, but I guess you'd see them on the internet now, pictures of bulls related to the market. Uh, we're not there yet, but I can see us getting there before too long. The, the, my suggestion, if you think it's getting too high, and we do think it's getting too high in some ways, as Jake said, there's value stocks out there. There are stocks that are, and historically, when the market gets out of whack, it's run off and left the value section of the market behind it, and it has. Historically, this is not a promise in the future. Being in the value stocks that are reasonably priced cushions that blow tremendously, and value stocks then tend to outperform after the market crash. That's no guarantee, but that's what's happened historically. Fantastic. All right. Well, that'll wrap up this little baby episode. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to uh, learn more about us, we have a website. I know we're in the dot com era, uh, the personal wealth com, and you can find all our contact information there and more. So until next episode, this has been the personal wealth coach.